0: In just a moment, I'm going to read the passages for our sermon. Uh, the passages are printed, to, printed in your bulletins this morning. They are from Colossians and First Peter, and as is your preference, as you find uh, most helpful for you, you are, of course, welcome to follow along in your bulletins, or the page numbers are uh, for the blue Bibles are in your bulletins, or your own Bibles, as you would like. Last week, we pivoted in our summer sermon series called Clothed in Christ. The first half of this series showed how the Bible uses this pervasive metaphor of clothing to describe what God must do for us. God must strip us. God must wash us, and God himself must clothe us, and we've seen all sorts of varieties of how that is done. He must clothe us in Christ and clothe us in gladness and clothe us in righteousness and with the Spirit. But we saw last week then how also both in the Old Testament and the New Testament the writers take this metaphor and they, they change it. They change the direction of the metaphor by showing to us not only what God must do for us, but what we have the responsibility to do as well. We must clothe ourselves. And of the uh, various passages that we considered last week, one, by way of reminder, came to us from Revelation chapter 19, and the words describing the wedding feast of the Lamb, the the marriage feast of the Lamb, the, the words say to us it was granted to the Lamb, to the bride, that is to say it was granted to the church to clothe herself. It was granted to us to have... That privilege, that calling, that power to clothe ourselves, to to engage in this process of putting off, or the way we say it, taking off and putting on clothing that is appropriate to us. We are to put on Christ as we saw from Romans 13 last week. And when we put on Christ, we are to put on the character of Christ, the attributes of Christ, the righteous deeds of Christ, the good works that Jesus did as we clothe ourselves. So under this heading, uh, this idea of what should we take off, what should we remove, and what should we put on. If we're saying, in fact, that we should put on the character of Christ, well, then you can certainly imagine that if I were to create a list of what we should take off and what we should put on, it would be a rather lengthy list. And in fact, if you look at Colossians, Colossians chapter 3, I'll be reading just a section from that again this week as I did last, or if you look at the book of Ephesians, you can see where there's a whole lot of things that we are to take off and instead we are to put on. But for the sake of this sermon series, rather than trying to say a lot or say a little about a lot of different attributes, what I've decided to do over this week and the next time I preach after coming back from vacation is to simply choose two of them. They'll be illustrative. They'll be representative for the way that one would go about putting on these various things that we're commanded to put on, or uh, the inverse of that, of uh, taking these things off. And so, our focus this week, which I hope you've seen in the hymnody and in the passages and in the affirmation of our faith that we've done already, our focus this week is on the command to clothe yourselves with humility. I'm going to read these passages for us, and you'll catch the list, especially in this Colossians 1, Uh, but that's the theme that we're going to focus on. So hear these portions of the Word of God as I read them for us, first then from Colossians 3, verses 12 through 14. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience chapter 5, Peter has been instructing those who are elders, those who are shepherds in the flock, and he turns now to address the younger and then to all of us, and I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Let's pray. Great God in heaven, thank you that you care for us. And your care is manifested right now in the ministry of your word, in the preservation of your word, in our ability to hear the Word, in the work of our minds to be able to process what it says, we thank you that you care for us. And we pray that even now, as we listen to your Word and hear it explained, that we would all be underneath of it seeking to hear from you and seeking to learn and seeking to apply how to put on Christ, how to be like Him, We pray in his name. Amen. Putting on love seems like a good thing. Put on love, that's a great command. All of us can resonate pretty quickly with that, I think, I hope. Putting on compassion seems like a good thing. It seems like something that makes sense. You can conceptualize putting on compassion putting on the lord jesus christ from romans is certainly a good thing putting on clothing of gladness clothing of dancing putting on righteousness all of that makes sense to our sense to us but clothe yourselves with humility seems a little different than those other things it is counterintuitive at least it's counterintuitive to our sin fallen hearts because instinctively we would not like to clothe ourselves in humility. Now, having said that, uh, the idea, even the words themselves, being humble and humility, are okay as words and as concepts, not only in the church, but at least to some extent within the culture. At large, people can appreciate the idea of humility or being a humble person, whereas, of course, the idea of humiliating someone or being humiliated or or humiliation, those are to be avoided at all costs. So humble and humility we can take, but when you change it just a little bit, To humiliation, no one wants that. Keep me far away from humiliation. We're okay with being humble as long as people know that we are actually pretty great. If you know I'm great, then I'm willing to be humble in front of you as a person. And that's why we often see people say, I accept this, I humbly accept this honor. I'm humbled by this honor. Well, I wonder if you're really humbled or it's just because you're being honored that it's easy for you to say at this particular moment that I'm okay with humility. It's a tricky business that is in front of us today. But our Lord Jesus wasn't just humble. He was, in fact, humble. But it was more than that. Jesus donned not only the clothing of humility, he donned the clothing of humiliation on our behalf. That's what we saw, and that's what we confessed when we affirmed our faith using the words of the larger catechism this morning. We saw the humiliation of Jesus not just as an estate, although that's what we talked about, the estate of his humiliation, but we saw, in fact, that Jesus himself was humbled. Jesus was humiliated for us. And then the command, clothe yourselves, all of you, without exception, clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. What does that mean to us? How do we go about that? And and for that matter, how does one at the same time clothe oneself with gladness? And this will be in a couple weeks from now, but how do you clothe yourself with the spiritual armor of God and clothe yourself with humility as well? How do we practice what has been called the grace of lowliness, the grace of lowliness. The idea here, the command that is before us is to be humble-minded, and that's the, if you, if you took the word apart, humble-minded, put on humble-mindedness, and, and this idea means that we're going to have to think about this. You can't just do it, you have to, you have to think about putting on humility, that's what we're going to do now And as we begin this thinking about humility, I want us to look again at Jesus, who described himself as by saying, I am gentle and lowly of heart. I'm gentle and humble. And so all the right out of the chute. We've got the idea of humble-mindedness, but we've also got the idea of humility as being something of the heart as well. In the second sermon... In this series, we considered the clothing of Jesus, and as we considered it, we looked at it under two headings, the headings of his humiliation and his exaltation, and the clothing which is related to both of those estates. And of course, when we talk about his exaltation, that clothing, metaphorically speaking, would be the clothing which he had from all eternity if you will, clothed in light as the eternal Son of God. When He comes to earth, He dons the clothing of humiliation. We get one peek at the exaltation at the time of the transfiguration, when we get a sense of, whoa, that that humble clothing doesn't quite suit who He actually is. And then, of course, when we peek further ahead in the Scriptures, we see that He's clothed in exaltation now as the incarnate man for all eternity. However, though, when Jesus takes off these garments of his exaltation that he's worn for all eternity, he clothes himself in the clothing of humiliation. He takes the form of a servant, and I won't go back now and preach sermons that we've heard before, uh, even in the last couple of months on Philippians chapter 2, but that's the great passage that describes here what Jesus is doing. He's, he's donning, he's taking off the clothing of glory, and he's putting on the clothing that a servant would wear. And we might look at a number of places in the New Testament to see how Jesus does that, but there's none better than that which we described when we were looking at his clothing of humiliation, namely, when he takes off his outer garment and he lays that aside and he ties on the towel that is around him and he stoops down to wash the disciples' feet. Now we might say, well, listen, when he did that and when he said to us, I've given you an example that you must do as I have done, we might want to say to that very quickly, well, we get it we get it. Jesus was speaking there uh, figuratively. He was speaking symbolically. He wasn't actually saying that we should wash one another's feet. Fair enough, as long as you remember that Jesus did it, that he didn't just give it as an idea, that he didn't just say, if I washed your feet, it would be like that. He actually took the time to take off Put on, to wash, and to dry their feet as a servant. He literally did it. He put himself under them. He did not hold the status that he actually had. He didn't hold that over people, but he deliberately and carefully put himself underneath other people, regardless of the status that was actually his. Why did he do that? When he came to earth, why didn't he come as the king in glory? Why wasn't he wearing the regal clothes, whatever that would be, the clothing of light? Why didn't he come as the captain of the hosts of the army of the Lord? Why did he come in the clothing of humility? And how was that clothing of humility essential to the mission that he had? Well, that clothing is essential because his mission is to succeed where the first Adam failed. Adam, the first man, sought the heights Though he was a man of the earth, he sought to be like God, though a man of the earth. You know what Adam means? You know what the root of that word is? Earth, dirt, dirt. His name, his name put him in his place, reminded him from where he came. You are a man of the earth, a man of the dirt. And yet he pursued likeness with God. He sought to seize exaltation on his own terms. And if we want to put that in the terminology, the the metaphor that we've been using throughout this series, what Adam sought to do was self-investiture. I'm not going to do what God told me to do. Instead, I'm going to take the step of clothing myself, of becoming like God, of knowing the difference between good and evil. And he did that instead of the path that was laid out for him. And the path that was laid out for him was not complicated. It was obey the voice of the Lord. And we could add, in due time, he will lift you up. The proper time he will lift you up, but obey the voice of the Lord, Jesus. The second Adam clothes himself with humility, takes on creaturehood because he is fulfilling the mandate that was given to humanity, obey the voice of the Lord. Obey what I have told you to do. But of course, that humility has turned to humiliation because of the evil that has come into the world and into our hearts because of that precipitous fall that took place. Humiliation wouldn't originally have been part of humility except for the fall except for the evil which is now in the world. So Jesus dons humility, and not only humility, but Jesus takes on humility and humiliation to overcome by inversion our pursuit of exaltation. We pursued exaltation. So Jesus, in order to overcome what we would like to do, has to take on lowness, to overturn our pursuit and dons himself accordingly. In Jesus, the way up has become the way down. How do you get up? By going down. Humble yourselves, therefore. We are commanded to do the same. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time or in the proper time, depending on your translation, he may exalt you. That's the way of Jesus. It's the way of the cross. And we'll talk about how to follow that in just a moment. But before we talk about how we might do that, how we might go about it, We've got to be convinced of three things, and you're going to have to excuse me for a moment. I can't go through the things that I'm about to say in depth because it would take us too much time, and other sermons have and can fill in the place of these things, but we've got to articulate these things because our writers, in particular Peter uh, in 1 Peter and Paul in Colossians, are going to instruct us to put on humility, but in so doing, they recognize that having said that, they've asked us to do one of the most impossible things for humans to do. We are innately, inherently prideful, and because of that, donning ourselves with humility will be nigh on impossible, unless you remember, or at least these three things that they both point out, so not in depth, but here they are. First of all, we must be convinced of who we are in Christ. Colossians 3, the first verse that I read, put on then as, as what? God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. We've got to know who we are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? You can't get more exalted terms than this. God's chosen ones, God's holy ones, God's beloved ones. Those are terms, and we're not going to do it right now. You could look them up, and you could apply them all to Israel. You could apply them to the church as well, but you know who you have to apply them to most of all? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the chosen one. Jesus is the holy one, and Jesus is the beloved Son of His Father. And Paul says, listen, if you are going to put on this lowliness, if you're going to put on this meekness, you've got to know who you are in Christ. And he provides for them the most exalted names and status things that he can possibly give in those three words. So if you're going to clothe yourselves in humility, you better know those three things first, who you are in Jesus Christ. You're chosen, holy, and beloved in Jesus Christ. Secondly, in terms of what we must know, and now I'm going to flip over to the Peter passage for a moment. We must know who God is. From the Peter passage, 1 Peter 5 7. Who is God? He is one who cares about you. You can't be humble unless you know that God cares about you. And the reason for that is this. If you clothe yourselves with humility, there's going to be a natural question that arises. And the question that's going to arise in your heart is, wait a minute, who takes care of me? Who takes care of me? If if I'm lifting up other people, if I'm being concerned about other people, if I'm doing that, who takes care of me? And Peter says, God takes care of you. Cast all your anxieties that would come in donning yourself with humiliation because you're going to feel like when you're in the clothing of humiliation that, holy smokes, I'm really vulnerable right now. I don't have anybody caring for me. Cast your anxieties on him for he cares about you. You've got to know who you are in Christ. You've got to know that God cares about you. And then point number three also from this is you've got to know what the destination is. And Peter makes this very clear for his readers. Humiliation, humility and humiliation are the way. They are not the end. Peter says and makes it completely clear, in due time, he will exalt you. He will lift you up at the proper time and we breathe a sigh of relief at that. It's not that he lifts us out of or exalts us out of humility, because we grow into a a perfect, humble exaltation. That is to say, a humble exaltation that recognizes who God is and delights in obeying the voice of the Lord. And if you need any examples of that, the two that are held forth, Hannah and Mary... That's why we looked at Hannah's song earlier today as an example of exactly this, her confidence that God will exalt in the proper time. So, Christ is our Savior, and He is our example, and those three foundations that I just gave to us, who we are in Christ, who God is, and what is our destination, are essential. Fair enough. How then? How then do we actually put on the clothing of humility. How do you wear these things? Now, our word, humility, that we use, it comes from a Latin root. The Latin root is humus, and you'll appreciate the connection here. That word means of the earth, of the ground, and it helps us to get a concept here of what does humility mean. To be humble is to keep yourself humble keep your feet on the ground, to keep yourself close to the ground, to keep yourself grounded. Maybe we could say it that way. So in humility, a man or a woman of the earth appreciates that reality and then walks in lowliness of mind, the grace of Lowliness, as I called it earlier, quoting others, and a couple of other quotes. Humility is a willingness to forego rights. Humility is a deep sense of one's littleness, littleness in the world. You know why churches were designed like this? Um, And, of course, you've been in ones probably that have much more vaulted ceilings. It wasn't just because it was a great design and you could hold a lot of people in them. The idea of the high roof is so that when you and I walk in here, we feel little. And we appreciate the exaltation of God because we're little in the particular space where we have come to worship Him. The idea here, whether it 's from Peter or from Paul, is that we are to take out of our closet the shirt, the the suit, the dress, the belt, the apron, the towel, whatever it is, and put it on, put on humility all of us there are no exceptions there 's no one who 's accepted from putting on the clothing. Of humility. And of course, as we put that clothing on, we're to own it. Okay? We don't put it on as a costume. I'm just going to put on humility a little bit here. We're to own what we are putting on. And let me be specific here for a moment. The texts that are before us today, they're not talking about humility before God. We should obviously have humility before God, and there are plenty of places we could look to see how we should have humility before God, but the texts that we're looking at today are talking about clothing that we put on, the clothing of humility that is specifically toward one another. Okay, so, so right now as we're talking about clothing, we're talking about humility in the way that we relate one to another. Joel Green, an author, writes this. Clothe yourselves in humility is an active decision on the part of Christians who thus locate and conduct themselves in a way or in ways that extends honor to others. Clothe yourselves with humility. To do that, what I think about is how do I put myself into positions where I'm in position to extend honor to someone else. That's what it means to be humble. You can't just be humble by yourself. Okay? You're humble with respect to other peoples and by putting yourself in front of or around people that you can exalt. And that helps us to say something about humility. Humility is not only passive. Humility, for example, is not only not saying something, although it can be expressed that way, and it was expressed by our Lord that way in terms of not opening his mouth. It's not only passive. In other words, it's not only not reacting when someone says something about you, when someone humiliates you in a particular way. Instead, humility is something that can be positively exercised and it can be positively exercised by showing honor to other people. When you put on the clothing of humility, you have put on clothing that says, how can I serve you? What can I do to exalt you, to lift you up? Bring back to your mind the image of Jesus. When Jesus is trying to give an example of humility, he doesn't sit quietly in the corner he dons himself with clothing and a towel by which he can actively wash the feet of his disciples. So how do you extend honor in this culture? In our culture, how do you extend honor to another person? It is a very flat culture. It is not an honor-based culture in which we live. So how do you do it? This would be a great subject for, to talk about for a few minutes at lunch today. How do you extend honor to other people, uh, high schoolers in particular? I would love to hear from you ideas about how, in your setting, at your age, how would you actually extend honor to another person? But here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you six quick ones. I'm going to give you six things that are all biblically rooted, how to extend honor to other people. All right, here you go. First way, greetings. Greetings. Think back to a Philippian sermon back in December. How you greet someone, whether you greet someone whom you greet, all of those are ways that you show honor to the people who are Around you. Do you have the ability to adjust your greeting with respect to the situation and the people whom you are greeting? You show honor by greeting people well. Second, how you dress. You show honor by how you dress. Now, I said early on in this sermon series that I'm going to take one sermon in this entire series and actually talk about what the Bible has to say about dress literally. That's not this sermon. That's two sermons from now. That's not this sermon. But nevertheless, even though we live in a culture that is hyper-casual, it's still present in the culture. If you ask me over to your house for dinner, and I come to your house, and I'm wearing pajamas, or I'm wearing sweatpants, or I'm wearing my gardening clothes, (laughs) or I'm a guy wearing a tank top. I'm not a guy, I I will never come to your house, I promise, wearing a tank top. But if I would do that, I would not be honoring you. Now, there's no dress code here, I'm I'm not interested in any kind of a dress code. I'm simply saying to us, in our culture, Though all attempts are out there to snuff this, to press this down, there are ways that you can show honor or dishonor by what you wear. Think about it. Third, thank you. You show honor by saying thank you. Just in case you're wondering, you do not show honor by silently being thankful. That's nice. I hope you are silently thankful. I hope you're genuinely and really thankful. But you show honor by saying thank you. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you have said. Because the minute that comes out of your mouth, what you have done is exalted that person and put yourself low. Do you understand? That's being humble, saying thank you to that person. Fourth, compliment. Compliment. You show honor by complimenting, by celebrating accomplishments. You've just gone over to someone's house. They've served you a nice dinner. And you say, thank you for that dinner. Now, that's a good thing. But would it not be a better thing to say thank you for that dinner? The way you wrapped that pork in bacon was delicious. I really enjoyed it. You've taken time to notice and to compliment someone for this particular thing. It's minutiae, fair enough. But it's a way of showing honor. Fifth, show interest. Show honor by showing interest. That is the theme that is in Philippians chapter 2. Put the interests of others above your own interests. Listen to, learn about people, ask questions. That was the command in Philippians 2 was to to show interest in others. The example from Philippians 3, if you recall, it was Timothy. I have no one like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. He wants to know. Sixth, serve. Show honor by jumping at opportunities to serve. We should be in competition to serve. We don't have to do this, but we should have to turn people away from serving in the nursery. There should be a competition amongst you to be last in line when the buffet goes up. It should be a competition because you want to show honor to others. Humble yourself, show honor to the people who are around you. The command stands. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. My brothers and sisters, my friends, dearest friends, don't check this off your list as having accomplished it. We, not, I'm not talking about the culture, we have a long long way to go, a long way to go in clothing ourselves with humility. Listen to Joel Green once again, having had this exhortation to wear the garment of humility. When so much of life is directed by the compass of social stratification, with honor and shame the North and South Poles, The consequences of this metamorphosis are practically infinite. The metamorphosis being clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility. And he goes on to describe the form of one's greeting, such gestures as averting of the eyes and the raising of the chin, the range of one's information sharing, the material and color of one's clothing, the nature of economic exchange with others, one's treatment before the courts, possibilities for friendship and matchmaking, invitations to share a meal and the quality of food to place before others, the obligation to truth-telling, assumptions about seating arrangements, who can speak to whom and under what conditions. The list of affected expectations and interactions is practically endless. It's endless where you have opportunities to apply clothe yourselves with humility. All these forms of behavior are set aside in favor of a single disposition within the family of believers to comport oneself in ways that esteems others. That's what it means to be a humble person. That's what it means to clothe ourselves with humility. But let's close with the words of our Lord. Come to me, All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Our Lord clothed himself in humility and in humiliation for you. He wore it for you. So put on humility. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. God help us. And forgive us. Forgive us for not esteeming others. Forgive us for esteeming ourselves. And transform us. Throughout our lives, not just today not just this week, but throughout our lives, transform us into the image of Christ who took the form of a servant. Lord, help us to clothe ourselves with humility, to put on humility. And we ask this in your name. Amen.